Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their 0 to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStopDevShop.com. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us, we'll give you the first 30 days no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestopdevshop.com. Let's talk about your SaaS project today. Special thanks to Akil Jabber of Horizon Capital for connecting us to, to our guest today. We had Akil on the show a few weeks ago. He introduced us to today's guest, Dennis Kelly. He's the founder and CEO of Postlytics. Postlytics helps marketers with snail mail direct response marketing automation. He will be talking about how he came up with the idea for this for Postlytics, how the MVP was funded, how he was able to gain his first few customers and navigate his zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. How are you today, Dennis? I'm doing great, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. So why don't you start by telling, I mentioned what Postlytics does, but why don't you tell me about the specific problem you solve for your customers? Sure thing. So Postlytics is a direct mail automation software uh, solution, and we're really focused on solving three fundamental problems with what we call traditional direct mail marketing. Uh, The first is that Direct mail has, for the last 20 years or so, been locked into a a production model that typically requires about a four to six week period of time with a lot of hands in the pie in order to generate a direct mail campaign. And uh, so uh, the first problem that we're trying to solve is that's way too much time, way too many people involved. Let's simplify this, condense it down. So speed of production is number one. A marketer is able to sit down in Postalytics, pull together a campaign within a couple of hours, press send, and be done with it. So speed is first. Second is integration. Direct mail has traditionally been this effective channel that is really something that sits outside of the marketing tech stack that most organizations are now investing in. And so with Postalytics, what we've done is we've created integrations with a lot of the leading CRM and marketing automation tools so that marketers can utilize the same data that they're using to drive their email marketing, to drive their digital marketing, that can drive direct mail. And the, the final thing that we're doing is we are analyzing and measuring what's happening in direct mail. So analytics are the third part of our value proposition. And so we're providing deeper analytics regarding what's happening after you send. It's been kind of a blind spot in the past for direct mail. You know, because it's an offline channel, nobody's really had an idea of what's going on. We've solved that problem with both delivery and response tools 
so that marketers can see exactly where their mail is in the production cycle and then who precisely has responded to their mail. So speed, integration, analytics, that's the story for Postalytics. Okay, so it sounds like a great package, very interesting. You, you don't really hear a lot of people talking about direct mail these days. I mean, this is more like I was telling Akil when we had him on the show. It's sort of like a Jay Abraham, Dan Kennedy, old school, direct response. That's what I always think with, you know, snail mail, direct response marketing. Can you tell us how you kind of got into this? Yeah, sure thing. And, and what we can talk about, too, as we go along is there are now a lot of new use cases for direct mail because of the technology layer that we have created. But going back to tell the sort of origin story, I've been involved in building software companies here in the greater Boston area for the last 30 years. And uh, so I've been involved in a lot of startups and had some successes, some failures along the way. And in one of those companies, I had a great success with a, a young architect who was one of the technical leads. And uh, we sort of lost touch after the, we sold that company. And, and then a few years ago, he and I reconnected, realized we lived near each other. And he was showing me some technology that he developed as sort of a side project. And what the technology really offered was a way for people who are doing direct mail marketing to surround the direct mail with digital marketing channels. And so there's a, some software that allowed the marketers to build email campaigns, text messaging campaigns that utilize the same data file that the direct mailers are using. And so we pitched this, we built this software together, pitched it uh, to what we call the traditional direct mail ecosystem print service providers, agencies, big brands that are doing a ton of traditional direct mail. And, you know, what we found was that it was, it was kind of a slog. Uh, we were, the, the sales velocity was not nearly what we were hoping for. The, uh, the business ended up becoming very services uh, heavy, which is not what, really what we wanted to build. And along the way, we started having some customers come to us and say, hey guys, you're living in this space between direct mail and digital, I, I have a pretty simple problem that I want to solve. I've invested heavily in Salesforce. I've invested heavily in HubSpot. We're doing a ton of email marketing. Open rates are going down. Uh, response rates are going down. We love to use direct mail in conjunction with our email. And it's really hard to do. And we thought, you know what? They're right. We ought to be building a product that takes some of the software we've already created and target the very industry that we were trying to sell to. And so that's what really led to us creating Postalytics. So we had an, an existing investment in the software itself and, and a small team. We decided to cut back on the original solution. Uh, we had to make some very difficult decisions to let some people go. Uh, we hunkered down for a year and came back out as Postalytics. The essentially the first problem that you discovered from I, I imagine he's your CTO is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, he's he's co-founder and CTO. His name is Alec Graziano. Okay, Alec. So so Alec found this this uh, sort of direct mail software. Then you sort of pivoted to combine it with the with the email component. 
that's a bit vague for me to sort of understand. Can you kind of explain how that would, is it? So what I'm imagining now is that you have some templates in your software, you know, you design like a postcard or something, you, you know, the, the person will write out what they want in the template and then it sort of mails it from some providers that you have around the U.S., is that correct? And then there's some links inside that postcard or what, am I getting it wrong? What's the sort of flow of the service? No, no, you got it. You've got it uh, pretty well thought through. So, uh, so essentially, uh, a marketer can log into our cloud-based uh, SaaS solution and drag and drop and, and create a postcard or a letter uh, and, and then import data either uh, directly from lists that they've already created and segmented in their CRM or marketing automation tool. Uh, they can uh, import data from uh, 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 just files that they own, you know, spreadsheets. Uh, they can buy uh, or rent uh, lists data. So pulling data in is a key part of it, but we've also created a, a new paradigm for direct mail where we're able to have triggered data come over to us one at a time. And so you can be setting up workflows inside of your CRM and marketing automation tool, these workflows that are typically driving the sequences of email. So for example, when you sign up for a, you know, a white paper download, uh, the company gets your email and then you go into some sort of a drip sequence where you receive a series of emails over a period of time. Well, with Postalytics, we can not only send mail to list-based uh, types of campaigns, but we can also send triggered mail so that direct mail and email can work together in a multi-channel way to drive response much higher. And so, so when, when the campaigns get created all in our software uh, and then they get put into production, the mail then starts uh, being generated and uh, we have a network of print and mail partners behind the scenes that are responsible for the fulfillment of the mail. That, and so that takes uh, two business days to turn the mail around and get it into the mail stream. And then finally, we've created a solution that taps into the U.S. Postal Service's internal barcode system so that you can actually track exactly where your mail is in the delivery process. And then finally, when people are ready to respond to that mail, we've created a, a patented method of generating a unique URL for each recipient so that as they respond or if they scan a QR code, we are identifying, hey, this is Jordy from this particular piece of mail from this campaign. Here's what he's doing on your website, as opposed to Dennis, who's responding at a different time. And then all that data gets synced back into your CRM so that if you want to coincide a piece of an email to go out on the day of delivery, you can do that. Or if you want to trigger uh, an activity for a sales rep to pick up the phone, if somebody has responded to their mail, you can do that too. Uh, it sounds like a very uh, powerful combination. Uh, how difficult was it to tap into the U.S. PS uh, API is was, was an API to to, tra to track the um, the QR codes was that was that difficult is that or is that just an open thing and you just apply to, um, to get it to get access uh, yeah a API might be a generous 
uh, phrase uh, for. <laughs> I imagine. I can imagine trying to get somebody on the phone that knew anything about that is like you know sixty thousand employees or whatever. It must have been quite quite a chore. Well, uh, so so there, there actually is a there's an open protocol that uh, people that are involved in the direct mail industry uh, many are aware of, uh, and, uh, and and so. You have to go through a bunch of rigmarole to get, you know, set up in this system. And what we did that was really different was rather than just saying, hey, you know, here's kind of where your mail is, uh, we've actually associated each of those barcodes back to a contact. So let's say, a, you know, a, a triggered piece of mail comes out of Salesforce and and a barcode gets attached to that, it's being scanned along the way. We know the specific person who this particular barcode is associated with, and we're capturing that data. And so that's why it becomes actionable and useful for a marketer to say, hey, I know that this piece of mail is going to hit the house in the next day, and so I'm going to string up a whole bunch of other activities to to go along with that. Uh, Or I know this piece of mail... Uh, according to the USPS, has been scanned as return to sender. It's a bad address. So I can take action on the back end to fix that, uh, as opposed to the old-fashioned way is like letting the return to sender cards pile up in an office and somebody then has to manually deal with them. Right. That makes sense. And so with the, with the, um, the templates, uh, are they ba- ba- basically, I mean, how do you handle like doing envelopes and stuff? Yeah, great question. So we have a couple of different envelope options. Uh, sort of a, a standard plain envelope uh, is just kept uh, on site at all of our print partners. So you can just you know pull a letter package together that can be can include up to six sheets of paper and with printing on both sides, and 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 press send. And then if it's in a plain envelope, it's just included. Uh, you can also custom design an envelope, have it pre-printed and held in inventory. So if you want to have a series of different custom envelopes with different marketing messages on the front and the back, you can do that. And then when you when you set up the campaign, you just select the envelope that you want to use, and then the whole process works. Okay. It sounds like a lot of thought went into this. How was the rollout of this product? Can you sort of break down how you um, went through the systematization? Systemization of all of these different, you know, you've got the the the, the software, you know, that I want to hear about, uh, and then you've got all these sort of external factors that you also, all these problems that you also had to solve. Can you get, kind of give me the breakdown of how you were able to solve all of those issues? Sure. So, so what we used as a model is email marketing. And, you know, if you look at the trends and what's been happening in marketing for the last 30 years, you see, you know, way more people using email and way fewer people using direct mail. And so we thought, well, let's create an email experience for people to send direct mail. And we'd actually built out a bunch of email marketing software for that first product that we were selling into the existing uh, direct mail uh, world. And so we had a pretty good idea of like, what people are looking for in an email marketing experience. And so that really acted as a framework for what we decided to build out from a a software standpoint. 
And then, you know, when we rolled it out, we, we decided to take a very different approach to the business model as well. And so rather than having, you know, a, a bunch of, of high-priced salespeople that are knocking on doors and, you know, building relationships uh, sort of the old-fashioned way, which is how the vast majority of the direct mail industry is structured today, we decided to take more of a product-led growth model where we would create a freemium tool and allow customers to use the software for free until they're ready to send and then just pay for what they're sending. And so we've built an entire lead generation tool around this idea of driving people into the free software. When they register for a free account, we ask a series of questions and then we segment these folks and determine how it is that we want to try to sell to them. Uh, some folks, you know, are segmented in a free forever category and we use automated tools to market to them. And some folks are segmented into a subscription opportunity and we use a combination of automated tools and humans to try to sell to those folks. Okay. And so um, Alec was was basically the one that developed the software. Was he doing it alone the whole time or did he have some uh, help? We had a, a small team. It was Alec and two other developers. And uh, uh, and then, you know, as, as we pivoted off of the first product, we uh, had to let a lot of great folks go. But we, we kept a couple of people that uh, that that all worked on building out the website, build out the marketing materials, and you know when we launched, we decided uh, that our ideal customer profile had a lot of overlap with the um, with the ideal customer profile of HubSpot, mm-hmm. and so we really narrowed our focus at launch and really targeted the HubSpot customer base. And in fact, we exhibited, wrote a great big check that was very painful to exhibit at the inbound conference at the end of 2017. And that was really our launch event. And, and that really helped us, that, that narrowing of focus and just really zeroing in on a very specific customer profile really helped us get off the ground. So and so obviously HubSpot has a lot of uh, has a lot of customers. So that was essentially the the only channel that you started with. Is that correct? That's correct. It was it, it you know we had the we had the software out there on the web. We really had no organic traffic, but we really zeroed in on the on the HubSpot customer base, which as you say, it's quite big and 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 still growing very quickly. Right. Um, and you know uh, we're fortunate to have some relationships there. Uh, you know, we worked very hard uh, to, um, you know, build uh, rapport in their partner program. Uh, we've participated in some of uh, beta testing for new features uh, that partners can get. So, you know, we really aggressively uh, targeted HubSpot to try to become sort of the default solution for HubSpot customers in the minds of HubSpot employees, even the sales team and the marketing team. And, and so... Uh, that strategy has really paid off for us. They continue to grow by leaps and bounds. Uh, and, you know, we're picking up customers as a result of their growth oftentimes. Right. So, and they're out of Boston, too, which which probably makes it easy, right, to sort of uh, set up personal meetings with some of the partner partnership people in, in, at the company. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, invitation and, to lunch and, you know, that type of stuff. Right. Did, did, was there was there another solution at the time that hub for um, snail mail marketing? Yes, there there are a couple of other solutions out there, um, but but none of which really targeted what we refer to as the tech enabled SMB, and, and that is how we've defined our ideal customer profile, and and so. Uh, we've really zeroed in on that. And the others are all targeting some different segments and areas of focus. But, you know, we, we've had a lot of room to run in this particular categorization or segmentation that we've done. Okay, so when you join HubSpot, do they have like a, do they have like a marketplace for their, their you know, the, in their software? It says, here's our partners and people can go out and just sort of connect to you that way. Is that, is that what's going on? That's exactly right. There's a there's an app marketplace that is built in. It's got reviews. It's got uh, uh, information about how many folks have downloaded or, or connected okay. uh, the, the apps. And so, you know, I think it, it's been a great playbook for us. We rolled it out with HubSpot. We've built an integration with Salesforce that has paid off great. Uh, we've recently announced uh, an integration with ActiveCampaign uh, okay. that is following the exact same playbook. Uh, they've recently built out uh, a partner directory themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that's a strategy we hope to repeat over and over again. Okay. For, for some of our listeners that want to uh, use this type of a strategy, not necessarily, obviously not doing, you know, your, uh, your, your solution, what do you think would be a good way for them to go in and kind of, uh, first of all, find a problem and approach these marketplaces. Any guidelines with that? Yeah, so, you know, I think that requires some research. And so you have to talk to a lot of customers of, in this case, you know, the, the big uh, platform that, that we decided to focus on. And, and, and you really need to build a solution that targets, you know, the 80-20 part of their customer base, you know, the the what, what does their typical customer look like? And so you need to build a solution that solves problems for that particular segment. Uh, it is priced specifically for that particular segment. Uh, and then I think it's really important to take uh, a deep look at those APIs that they're offering and really leverage them in, at a deeper level that maybe some other folks out there have done that are just slapping together a quick integration. And so uh, when, when you do that and you show that commitment and you get some customer wins, that's what these partners are looking for. They're looking for partners in their ecosystem that they can support, uh, that they know they have some confidence in, you know, that they've, they've done their homework, they've got a great solution, they're going to follow up, they're going to make their customers happy. And so you kind of have to go all in at least in the beginning on one, and then kind of build from there. Go all in on one platform, you're right. saying. So go. you went in all in on HubSpot. Did you actually go through and contact customers as well, like their customers? And, and if you did, how, how did you go about doing that? Well, we had the advantage of that first product, and, and we actually had you know a whole bunch of HubSpot customers reaching out to us saying, you know, 
with different words. Could you build what ultimately became Postalytics? Like, we'd really like something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, because we had done some, we had done some earlier work with that first product, and we built a kind of a light HubSpot integration. Uh, had some SEO hanging out there, so we were getting some organic traffic with the first product, and we really used that as our market research, uh, and 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 then started. You know, knocking on the door at HubSpot themselves, saying, "Hey, you know, help us mm-hmm. think this through." And we, we got some advice from them, uh, and, and so that's that's really how it got started. It sounds like you could do this with WordPress as well. Is that right? You could do it with WordPress, or do you have to do it individually with other sort of CRMs? Well, the the, the key for us is tapping into software solutions that are holding the customer's data and the customer address information and in our act the, the the softwares that are acting as kind of the central point of a marketing solution and and so you know that's why crms and marketing automation tools uh we're, we're about to launch a big e-commerce push like those sets of software that are storing that data uh that, that we can unleash and help that data become more productive. That those are the the categories of, of platforms we try to focus on. So, like a Shopify, you're gonna you aim for them because it sounds like it would be perfect for them. Sort of follow up sequences for after you purchase a product. You got it exactly. Shopify. Uh, there's a, there's a, a tool, a, a super fast growing uh, tool that sits on top of a bunch of the e-commerce platforms called Klaviyo. Uh, oh yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So so all all of those places are storing this type of data, and and we can plug in and and make that data actionable for folks that want to, you know, either do direct mail that they're already doing in a faster, smarter way. Or to let folks try out direct mail and test, and you know, without making a massive investment. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that's those are the kind of the two uh, use cases that we see typically. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing direct mail sort of the old-fashioned way, and it's painful. Or I really want to try direct mail and add it to my mix of digital that I'm doing. Okay, that makes sense. Can you speak to us? I know you're not the CTO, but can you just sort of ex- speak to us about? Um, I'm I'm. I'm getting the idea that there would be some problems trying to be technology agnostic with, agnostic with all of these different platforms. How did you handle those problems? Uh, integrating this is HubSpot, this is uh, Shopify, and this is you know there's all kinds of different attributes uh, I imagine between the the different software. How did you handle those um, and and make it so that it was all sort of seamless? Well, that's a great question, and um, you know, it, it, when we first rolled out our first couple of integrations, which were HubSpot and then Zapier, uh, after that, which has paid off big for us as well, uh, we really built kind of custom, you know, one-off uh, types of integrations that were were really meant to go deep and to you know just kind of get it out the door. And then as we've added more, we've added Salesforce, uh, we've added ActiveCampaign, we've added um, Keep and Fusionsoft. Uh, we, we've begun to generalize our integration layer in a way that will allow us to uh, move even more quickly so that we've got a very common way of dealing with, say, list import uh, that, that deals with the vast majority of ways that these 
uh, organizations look at lists. We've got a common way of dealing with triggers that come in uh, that, that say, all right, send this piece of mail to Jordy today. And we've, we've developed some common mechanisms for our, for our analytic data to go back into those tools as opposed to building a bunch of one-offs. Uh, and, and so that's been a big effort on our part over the last year is to realize, okay, if we're going to scale this strategy, we, we, we can't keep building one-off solutions. We have to build out some, you know, um, generalized mechanisms of, of creating these integrations. Okay, that makes sense. What stack are you um, using to, to handle this right now? Technology stack, what programming languages and databases and everything? Sure, sure. So, uh, so uh, you know, everything we are building is sitting at uh, AWS, and uh, we have a, a combination of different technologies in the back end. Uh, there's a strong uh, Microsoft uh, core, uh, so a, a lot of a lot of .NET, uh, .NET, a lot of SQL Server, uh, but we also we do a tremendous amount of queuing on our back end uh, for a whole lot of reasons, and so. Uh, there's there's uh, a lot that's built out in Mongo and other uh, sort of technologies that help us um, deal with all the data coming in and out of this solution and being routed to different partners and and then if something fails what happens so th th that's a whole nother kind of aspect to the backend technology. Okay, so you're using SQL Server and Mongo. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, and in terms of complementing how are you finding like what are the differences between people that you like that just use email and how much does their marketing or conversions improve when they couple it with your the direct response mail um, do you have some I mean I'm sure it's different on different ver market ver verticals but do you have some you know sort of idea on those numbers that that our listeners could uh, use to see if it could be appropriate for them Sure, sure. So, you know, the vast majority of people think of direct mail as a lead acquisition tool. And, you know, that's been its historic role uh, for uh, the vast majority of companies that use direct mail. And so what, what we, we see for folks that are using direct mail, it's just sort of on a standalone basis, uh, the response rates have improved over the last decade uh, by double. And the reason why is that you know what you were used to get like a one to two percent response rate now you're getting in the four to five percent range when you're doing acquisition marketing with direct mail and, and and the reason why is that there's less competition in the mailbox than there used to be and there's also better targeting so there's better data better technology less competition and so that's sort of one use case the other use case is, okay, I've got my universe of customers that I've been doing email marketing to, and I want to deploy direct mail to complement uh, more you know, nurturing, mid-funnel, low-funnel, post-sale uh, types of activities. And, and that's where you can see significant lift over your existing email marketing. And so we have, we have a, a customer who has built out a significant amount of automation, automated email in uh, their uh, CRM. And they had one campaign that was focused on winning back customers that 
hadn't ordered in over six months. And so what we worked on with this customer was building out a triggered direct mail that would go out in a sequence when somebody hadn't ordered in six months and hadn't opened any of the last five emails that were sent. And so this person's clearly gone quiet on email, right? And, and they haven't ordered anything. We need to, we need to get them back. Mm-hmm. And so they implemented a trigger direct mail sequence to target these people and bring them back. We had over a 150% increase in the ROI of the existing WinBack campaign by layering in a seven touch email sequence or direct mail sequence into that existing email stream. And then once somebody then engages again on email, you can turn off the direct mail. It's a more expensive channel, right? Email is, is less expensive once you've got it up and running. So, so you can use direct mail in a really smart way to you know, go out and find people that have tuned out on your email, get them back, and then, uh, and then let them go back into the email channel. Okay, that makes sense. And would you say that the how what's the main marketing channels that you that you're using now? Is it just uh, is it just inside of these marketplaces, or are you also uh, using the um, direct mail yourself? I mean, what are some of your successful marketing uh, um, avenues right now? So uh, the the three channels that have been primarily our, our focus have been the integration marketplaces, as you say. Uh, number two is organic search, and then number three is direct mail itself. And so we use our own software uh, for both uh, lead acquisition as well as nurturing and post-sale uh, types of campaigns. And and so uh, you know the top of funnel activity is uh, you know been something we've really focused on from an organic search standpoint, and. Uh, so there's been a great opportunity for us to build out content in this really sort of reframing of how direct mail can work. This disruption is different, right? It's not just the same stuff that's been out there for years. So, so that's been a great opportunity for us to build out, you know, a, a, a good footprint uh, in, in organic search. We drive them into the free tool and from there, you know, email and direct mail are great avenues for us. We will also do some direct mail uh, top of the funnel activity by targeting different sectors, different job titles, different industries. And we'll talk about case studies that we've done that are specifically related to the industry that we're targeting uh, using direct mail. Okay, and, and how are you finding, like, where are you getting most of your leads from? Are, they, are you going in and prospecting through HubSpot, like sort of database, or are you using other tools to find, these, find, the, find your leads? Yeah, so, so you know, our, our whole strategy is to drive people into that free account. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the, the, the relationship with HubSpot, Salesforce, ActiveCampaign, Zapier, Infusionsoft, you know, we've got uh, pages set up in their sites with links, drive people to our page, get them in the free account and go, right? So that's, that's one. Two, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of blogging with different keywords 
to get people to come to the site, then try to entice them to move on to their, their almost all interested in the pricing page, right? So, so you get to a blog post because you're interested in some topic. You see, so, oh, this is a unique twist. What does this stuff cost? You know, get them on that page, drive them in the free account, go from there. And then finally, we're using direct mail to target uh, specific industries like real estate, like mortgages, like e-commerce. And so we'll target businesses with a series of postcards and letters to try to drive them back to our site, get them in the free account. Okay, so it's all just essentially driving to the premium and then prospecting from once they're inside the premium, then you, you start the, um, the direct mail and, and all the other marketing couples exactly. with that. How is yeah. the, since it seems like you obviously came up with this problem on your own through your feedback from your customers, how have you found the competitive landscape uh, has grown since you came up with this idea? Are there any competitors that are coming out? Or are you sort of still alone in the field? No, there, there, there are definitely competitors that have uh, evolved. And, but, you know, I think that our approach has been pretty targeted on this tech-enabled SMB as, as our primary audience, uh, where others have come out and, you know, we'll have some overlap with them. A lot are, are focused on the enterprise, uh, which we've decided to not focus on uh, for some very specific reasons. And then others are focused on, say, like, you know, the big direct-to-consumer brands. And, and so, you know, our approach to the market is still very unique. Uh, there are other software tools that do similar things that, uh, that Postlytics does, but it, it's really our, our go-to-market approach and our business model is really different. And, and I think that's a very sustainable moat that we can build out over time. And looking back from where you're at now, are there any things that you would tell yourself when you were founding the, the, the company, anything that you would do differently or anything you would tell yourself back in 2017, so if I could tell you this one thing, is there anything that you, that you would uh, say to yourself back then? Well, you know, I think in retrospect, I would have pulled the plug on the first product more quickly. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a painful thing to do when you put your heart and soul into building something out and, and you know, it's just, not, it's just not delivering the way that you thought. You know, you try to patch it, you try to, you try to reinvent it slightly, you know, without busting the whole paradigm. And, you know, the, the hard lesson is if it's hard to sell, you got to shoot it and move on. You, you so know, you pivot you, faster is what you're essentially saying. You would have pivoted faster. It sounds to me like you would have you were able to use a lot of the uh, underlying technology from the first product, the the version one. Is that correct? That is correct, and and that's really how we were able to launch Postalytics with more than just a minimal viable product, because we had a significant amount of infrastructure. You know how accounts are handled, how billing works, how, you know, there's a lot of those kind of really fundamental pieces we're able to leverage uh, and, and focus on building out like this kind of core functionality uh, that makes the software a very complete solution. Okay, and anything that you felt like you really did get right in those early days and, and um, 
for our listeners. Of what did you get right and what attributed to sort of your big sort of breakout? Yeah, so, you know, just the, I think, the focus on uh, these CRM and marketing automation tools. Uh, we had, we we're standing there at the, at the inbound conference, which, you know, attracts 25,000 people from around the world. And, and they're walking by your booth and they say, you know, they see direct mail automation. They're like, what? But that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> Those yeah, words exactly. together. Yeah. So, you know, and then we start talking about, about what it does and they're like, we've been waiting for years for somebody to bring something to the market that can, you know, automate this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that that very intense focus on, you know, one integration partner, one way to build out all of your marketing and sales materials, like that, that focus is what I, I always tell folks now, like, Hey, if you're bringing a SaaS tool to market today, you you can't be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to really zero in and you have to build something that a specific audience will find very valuable. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I want to thank you for your, your time, Dennis. We're getting close to uh, our agreed upon time. So I want to thank you. Um, is there anything um, you can leave our listeners with about that maybe thinking about starting a channel-specific SaaS or any other things that you want to leave our listeners off with before we go? Sure, sure. You know, I, I think that there's never been a better time than today to build out a, uh, a software tool to attack problems in the physical world. And, you know, that's really what we're doing here. We're building software that is removing a lot of the friction that has been associated with things that happen in the physical world. And so, you know, look at companies like Uber, right? And Grubhub. And, you know, these are all companies that are saying, hey, let's put a layer of software over a physical thing and make this whole process faster and easier and frictionless. And so I think it's a wonderful time to be looking for inefficiencies in the physical world, attack it with software. That's interesting because most people always think about what are the problems digitally that are happening. And those are easier problems to solve, I think. So it's interesting that you mentioned uh, solving problems in the physical world because I personally don't think about that. It's like, oh, what problems am I having with my, you know, with this software? Or why is this app bad? How can I make it better? But in the physical world, I, th- I think that's a great analogy that people often overlook. So thank you very much for that. Sure thing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dennis. I appreciate it. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can you can uh, find us on the web at postalytics.com. Uh, hit me up at Dennis at Postalytics, LinkedIn, Twitter. You know, I try to be as many places as I can be. Great. Thanks so much for your time, Dennis. Thank you, Jordy. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.